It's almost Halloween, and if you're watching this later, it's around the Halloween season. The question is, should you celebrate it as a Christian? I provide reasons why a Christian can confidently celebrate this wonderful holiday. And it's all done tonight on your favorite night of the week. This is The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. to your favorite night of the week, as I always like to say. It is The Deep End. I'm your humble host, Tim Hatch, and welcome to my YouTube channel. I'm so glad that you are here. Make sure that you're hitting that like button. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. Make sure you're hitting the notification bell so that you can get notified on your smartphone. That looks like this, probably, about when we go live every time we are live. We got The Deep End tonight. We got The Deep Dive tomorrow, and both of them tie together every single week as much as possible. It's Halloween week, Halloween this Sunday, and we're going to talk about this incredibly important question on Season 5, Episode 8. The question we're going to talk about is, to trick or treat or not? To trick or treat or not? What should we do about this holiday? And as you can see, I am surrounded by some of my Halloween friends. Say hello to Slim. Uh, hanging over here by my microphone uh, arm. Uh, yeah, we just call him Slim around here for obvious reasons. And then I've got cauldrons full of candy. Mmm. And a skull full of candy. And in fact, across the entire Deep End studio, you will see that there are 10, count them, 10 uh, Halloween decorations. 10 Halloween decorations, not including the candy. Now, if you name all 10 in the comments below, if you name all 10 in the comments below, some of them might be doubled up, so pay attention. And they're all over the Deep End Studio. If you name them down below, I'm going to send you a copy of uh, my book, Move. So make sure that you play along because you know what? The book is available and we like to bribe you to watch and and do some discovery here on the channel. So the book goes out to somebody who can name all 10 Halloween decorations on the Deep End set tonight. Uh, nothing divides the church quite like Halloween. <laughs> I, I was at my church on Sunday, and I, I was talking about Halloween, and I, I, had, I said to my church, who here likes Halloween? And no one said nothing. And even one person said, no. Another person was like, boo. I'm like, no, that, that is Halloween. Boo, boo, that's Halloween right there. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it did not go well. The response was typical church response. And I think that everybody who likes Halloween in church is quiet about it because they don't want to get the lecture from the non-Halloween people. So it does divide us. And we're going to talk about that today. But before we get to talking about how Halloween divides us, I want to get a little bit serious. And we need to talk about something else that's dividing the church, believe it or not. Vaccine mandates are dividing the church, and it kind of really ticks me off because uh, we're supposed to be united, not divided. So let's get into Deep End News. Deep End News. News and views that don't make us news. Okay, on Deep End News, the news that you'd choose, too, if you could choose news. And, and this is coming from the Daily Wire, and the title of the article is Neither Vaccinated Nor Unvaccinated. That's a reference to... Um, Galatians 3.28, you know, neither man nor female, slave nor free, uh, Jew nor Gentile. Uh, what it's talking about in this article, neither vaccinated nor unvaccinated, how churches imposing vaccine mandates are dividing uh, Christians with a different gospel. And I encourage you to go to the Daily Wire and read this article. I've said this repeatedly on the deep end this season uh, and last season, and that is that uh, the devil is the master of division. He loves division. He divided heaven. He loves to divide people against people, uh, people against each other. He loves to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And unfortunately today, more than ever before, churches are dividing over even what the government does. And that's not good. You know what? When the government is dividing us, guys, that's not a good sign. 
And I think there's a pandemic with a pandemic within the pandemic. And the, the pandemic within the pandemic is the pandemic of division. Uh, COVID-19 has divided uh, father against son, <laughs> son against father. It has divided a household against itself. It has divided our nation. Whether it be the lockdowns or social distancing or the masks or the vaccines or now the vaccine mandate. Division is the tool of the enemy. This is how he works. He divides and conquers. Now, what has happened with the CDC and what they have said, this is from their own website. I checked it out myself. Even with the vaccine, you can still get COVID. Even with the vaccine, you can still transmit COVID. Even with the vaccine, you can still get hospitalized by COVID. Yes, at far lesser rates, according to the science, according to the data, but you can still get hospitalized with the vaccine. And yes, you can still die from COVID with the vaccine. And that's why there are people who are adamant about not taking the vaccine because they are in a place of life where it's not going, it, it, it could possibly cause them harm. It could possibly do something that would disrupt their life. There are all kinds of reports, Ken, on the VAERS website of many people who have said that this happened. There is uh, studies out of uh, the Scandinavian countries that young men are having um, heart problems. They're having uh, some blood clot problems. And, and, and this is something that we should pay attention to. And I want to be clear here on the deep end. I'm pro-vaccine. I, I, I thank God for science and vaccines. And I thank God that we don't have to deal with mumps and measles and polio anymore, right? I think we can all agree about that. But but the mandate, the mandate, that's the problem. Vaccines are good, vital to our health, but mandates for a vaccine that that the government has imposed upon us from the top down after saying that they wouldn't is a bad precedent for the future of our country, the future of liberty. Yes, the future of liberty. I mean, we have an elected president right now mocking freedom. Literally at his town hall on CNN last week with Anderson Cooper, he literally mocked the idea of your freedom. He said, it's not about your freedom. <laughs> and everybody laughed with him. Well, now this, this, this style, this, no, I'm sorry, this atmosphere of the country has invaded the church. And this is just another sign. The church needs a lot of help, man. We are so worldly in so many ways. We don't even realize it. We're so worldly that we, we don't even see how we adopt the message of the world. So from this article uh, on the vaccine mandate dividing churches from the Daily Wire, uh, it says this, in New York City, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, run by or led by Pastor Tim Keller, who I am a big uh, fan of, I'm a big uh, admirer of Tim Keller, is a theologically conservative church firmly embedded in the mainstream of American evangelical evangelicalism and it quietly posted a statement on its website regarding attendance. It said individuals who are fully vaccinated are welcome to sit on the main floor of the sanctuary without social distancing and masks. Uh, I'm sorry, and masks will be optional. Individuals who are not fully vaccinated are welcome to sit in the balcony. The language of the announcement was understated, but the import was not. Redeemer Presbyterian had effectually segregated its church body based on vaccine status. Yes, yes, that's right. It has, it has brought segregation back into the church. And then there's another um, example in the article of a very conservative evangelical megachurch in Charlotte, North Carolina, that accepted the resignations of anyone working at their preschool who was not vaccinated by October 8th. And so they're without a job. 
Uh, and, and the article goes on and talks about all these churches that are dividing. And you would think it would be a problem with uh, just the maybe the socially progressive churches, you know, the ones that are embracing LGBT and, and the, the ones who are almost pro-abortion as well. You think it would be a problem with them, you know, about vaccinating these. No, it's, it's seeping into the, the theological, the biblically conservative churches as well, and it's causing a rift. Now, in the article, a very powerful moment in the article where it says few pastors, read this on the article on the screen, few pastors bring as much depth of understanding to the vaccine mandate issue as Kirk Milhuan, who, along with shepherding a church in Maui, also happens to be a pediatric cardiologist and was a medical missionary to Liberia during the most widespread Ebola outbreak in history. So I would say he knows what he's talking about, right? It says this, he tells me that given the vac, the vax are nearly as infectious as the unvaxed once they contract COVID, it's nonsensical to cl- claim the first group is putting the second at risk. The only people who are really safe to be around, he says, are those who have recovered from COVID. And they've, they've done studies about this. this. Natural immunity because you've recovered from COVID is 27 times more powerful than the vaccine. And he says this, quote, I'm afraid the church is just mirroring our society right now as opposed to being led by Jesus Christ. Amen, Kirk. He says, we are afraid of Facebook posts. We've become pleasers of the world as opposed to pleasers of God. He's 100% right. For, you've got to understand, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's a doctor. He's served in infectious diseased areas in our world. He's 100% right. That the first group is putting the second group at risk. The first group, the non-vax, are putting the second group vaxxed at risk because the vax people can't spread the, the virus. That's the problem. The vax people can't spread the virus. So why the mandate? Just to keep the hospitals down? Is that, is that the only reason for the mandate? Because as far as I can tell, and I have a friend, a Christian friend, a, actually a pastor friend who works at a hospital in the town where I pastor, and he says our hospital's not overrun. I went to another hospital with my son back in... August, and they said, we're, we're struggling right now because people quit over the vac- mandates, over the vaccine mandates. These people served on the front lines all during the pandemic and put their lives at risk, and many of them contracted vaccine, uh, the virus, recovered from it, and are healthy as a result and strong to resist it now, and we are letting those people go because they won't take this vaccine that is pretty novel, pretty new. It's unthinkable. But what's more unthinkable is that it's coming to the church to divide the church. The article goes on and it says, in a move even their more liberal counterparts in the United Methodist Church have so far resisted, the International Missions Board, the IMB, of the Southern Baptist Convention recently announced that any missionary or member of a missionary family over the age of 16 must be vaccinated against COVID. Seriously? What the heck? Yet there is emerging evidence that for younger males, the heart, the risk of heart inflammation from the vaccine is higher than the risk of COVID hospitalizations. Due to research like this, four Scandinavian countries, those countries being Finland, Sweden, Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, have stopped administrating, administering some COVID vaccines to younger demographics. Despite new studies like this, the IMB has offered no exemption for teen boys or young adult men to its vaccine mandate. Okay, this, this is a big deal. Like th- when, when the church divides and when the church starts taking the stances of the world, watch out. We are seeing, even in the vaccine mandate messaging, the adoption of the world's mantras in the body of Christ. You say, oh, aren't you, aren't you for safety and health? Of course I am. I am, I am a huge health advocate. It's why I tell you on this channel on a regular basis, work out, eat right, 
Get yourself some greens. Stop eating so much red meat. Stop eating so much meat, period. You know, even in the Old Testament, they ate meat like three times a year. And we eat meat all the time. Like we eat meat for breakfast, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then we wonder why our heart arteries are clogged up with cholesterol, right? We've got to pay attention to our health. But there are people who have genuine concerns and a genuine argument for why they should not be forced to take the vaccine. I have people in my church that have lost their, lost their jobs. I have friends and I know uh, neighbors who have lost their jobs because of these mandates. And this stuff is happening in the world. And now it's bring, being brought into the church by church leaders. Are you kidding me? I bring this up because there's something happening in the pandemic that has nothing to do with our physical health. Well, it does by implication, but, but it has more to do with our spiritual health. There's a pandemic within the pandemic and the pandemic within the pandemic is division. Uh, people who used to be friends are no longer friends because of the way the government and COVID has divided us. Okay. People in the same family no longer will see each other on Thanksgiving and Christmas because of, because of the division within the pandemic. You know that Proverbs 6 says there are six things the Lord hates and the seventh thing on the list. It's kind of funny how the Bible says things, but six things the Lord hates and there's a seventh one just add it for good measure. And that one is an abomination. And what are those six things that the Lord hates? Well, let's turn to Proverbs 6, 16 and read it. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination, haughty eyes, that's one, lying tongue, two, hands that shed innocent blood, three, that's abortion, a heart that devises wicked schemes, uh, that's four, feet that make haste to run to evil, that's five, a false witness who breathes out lies, that's six, and here's the seventh one. Here's the seventh one. Are you ready? And one who sows discord among the brothers. Or another translation says, and one who sows division among the brothers. It seems like the church is playing right into the hands of the COVID-19 pandemic, the division pandemic within the COVID-19 pandemic, the division pandemic. I, I bring you to Jesus's high priestly prayer in, Roman, uh, in John chapter 17, verse 11. It says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be what? That they may be one, even as you and I are one. Jesus prayed Okay, he prayed for us to be united in him. And here we are, the church of Jesus Christ, dividing. We already have enough to be divided for over in the church. We already have enough charismatic gifts for or against. Cessation is continuous, right? Armenian Calvin, do you save yourself or does God save you? Uh, christening or baptizing adults? Even clear things in the Bible, the church is divided over, like homosexuality, abortion. Some churches promote abortion, and we're dividing over that. And and now add to the list, COVID-19 mandates, COVID, a brand new, brand new vaccine, brand new disease. Uh, well, m mutated disease. I know it's an old disease. I know COVID has been around for a long time. And I know that the vaccines are a hybrid from previous vaccines. I get that. I've heard all that science. But the problem is, we're bringing division in the church with this. That's why our church, which is located in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Florida, and Guatemala, will never follow these divisive tactics concerning COVID-19. I've told my church, we will write you an exemption for your vaccine uh, issue with your job uh, if you need that. I've told my church we will never enforce any kind of mandate for coming to our church. My gosh, I do not. I, people have enough things in life that keep them away from the gospel. 
I do not want to create another one. It's so important that we get a hold of this. Acts chapter 15, one of my one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when the church says we should not make it difficult for those who are coming to faith. We should not make it difficult. Now, with vaccine mandates, people are saying we're going to make it more difficult for people who are coming to faith. What if that person already had the disease, is 27 times more immune, and they're coming to your church, and you're going to ask them for papers, and you're going to ask them to sit in a different spot and basically be ostracized like lepers? You know, in the Old Testament, I get it. They, they quarantined the lepers who had the disease. For as long as they had the disease, when they didn't have the disease anymore, they were supposed to clean, shave, and go back out into the community. But no, 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 American Christianity now is so divisive, has so adopted the mantras of the world, that we will now tell our brothers and sisters in Christ, you sit over there. Even if you're not sick, even if you already had it, even if you recovered and you're now immune, you go over there and sit there because you are now a second-class citizen. How dare you not follow the precious dear leader, Joe Biden? That's where we are. I bring you to Romans chapter 16, verse 17. I urge you, brethren, note those who cause what? Oops. I urge you, brethren. No. Mm. Man, come on. I urge you, brethren. Note those who cause what? Divisions and offensive. Contrary to the doctrine which you learn. Avoid them. For those who, who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own appetites. By smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Like, mark those, Paul says. Mark those who cause division. And if someone is leading a church and they are dividing their congregation along the man vaccine mandate, shame on them. Again, back to the original point that I made way earlier. I am pro-vaccine, and I think everybody who's against the mandates is pro-vaccine. I really do. I think there are very, very few people out there who are anti-vaccine. Uh, but, but the... Like take for, an exist, uh, for example, mumps, measles, and rubella vaccine. Do you understand that that was tested for 12 years before it was mandated by the government? It was tested for 12 years before they mandated it for our school children. Now they want to mandate it for our school children, this COVID-19 vaccine that's a year old. Is there any grace in the church anymore? Is there any grace in the church considered that there might be a pregnant woman out there who is healthy and low risk and does not want to get the vaccine because, you know, she's not quite sure. And she's heard the stories and she's heard the reports. I have a lady in my church who worked in ultrasounds, and she said she's never seen such a spike in um, uh, miscarriages. Is there any grace for that church member, that, that teenage boy who doesn't want to risk heart inflammation when his risk of dying from COVID is virtually zero, zero? Seriously, people, wake up. This is important. Vaccines are a good thing. Thank God, again, for scientific advances. But I think that this is another way in which the devil is using the government to divide the church. And when I read my Bible, when I read the book of Acts, man, I'll tell you, there's one thing that the church never does. The church never lets the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Roman government divide them. If anything, they unite them. They solidify them around the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they become more bold to preach the gospel in the midst of those governmental regulations. What has happened to the church? We've become corrupted by the world. We've let the world take over. And it should not be now. On to Halloween. <laughs> Don't you like that? Smooth segue. <laughs> we want to talk about how we also divide over something that's so far much more less serious than the COVID vaccine. We divide over Halloween. And that brings me to this edition of the Deep Endopedia.
Okay, Halloween special on the deep end. Welcome. I did this many years ago, but this is an updated version with a lot more information on the question to trick or treat or not. And I am imagining that there is a group of people, uh, several groups of people listening to me right now or watching me right now on YouTube. And by the way, if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button, make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that notification bell so that you can get notified whenever we go live. Okay, you are one of four people out there. You are one of four people. And those four people concerning Halloween are the embracers, the avoiders, the rebukers, and the redeemers. There are some people who want to embrace Halloween. They love it. They, they enjoy it. Uh, they, then, then there are people who avoid Halloween. They don't want anything to do with it. They, they run and hide. They go and you know, bury themselves in the sand for the night and <laughs> shut off all their lights and don't even buy candy for kids. And then there are those who want to rebuke it. You know, they want to say, oh, how dare you celebrate this demon of darkness Halloween. And then... Then there are those who want to redeem it. So they say, well, I'm not going to dress my kid up as, uh, as a ghost or a goblin. I'm going to dress up my kid as, um, I don't know, Martin Luther or John Calvin or some weird thing like that. And so there are those kind of people who want to redeem it. And here's my admonition to you. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And I want to say as firmly as I can, I thank God, okay, that I had a set of parents who brought me out trick-or-treating who <laughs> encouraged this ho this holiday in my life who did not avoid it who did not bury our heads in the sand uh, my mother and her best friend would take me and my other two friends out every halloween to go trick-or-treating it was one of the highlights of our week hey of our year hey listen guys uh the weather's getting colder the day is getting darker and the night is getting longer we only have so many things to celebrate, okay? <laughs> Why take one of them away? <laughs> that is my point here. Like, yes, I know. I know what you're saying right off the bat. This holiday has pagan roots. Yep, yep, just like Christmas and Easter. Both of those holidays have pagan roots. And guess what the church did? They turned them into Christian holidays. So they did with Halloween. And I, I, I'm really, I, I, I am thankful. My mom did dress me up. Uh, many times for Halloween. In fact, she was old school. She didn't buy Halloween costumes. She made them. In fact, look at this picture right here. This is a picture of me in Halloween, I don't know, 1986 or something like that, wearing my ninja costume made by my mom. Thanks, mom. You were great with Halloween. Thank you so much for that. Great with a lot of things, but thank you. Anyway, let's take a look, see of how we can take uh, another angle of this holiday and and do what we should do with it, which is relax, chillax, not freak out but rather celebrate it because I think that there's a danger as Slim is falling down here. Forgive Slim. He's, he's a little bit, I don't know, sad. Uh, there is a danger to keeping your kids from everything. My, 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 there was people that I grew up with, their moms, everything was off limits. Everything was wrong. Everything was sinful and their kids don't serve the Lord anymore. And I think there's a danger to being so legalistic that you literally make Christianity the anti-fun life. If it's fun, it's wrong. So therefore don't do it. If it has a hint of paganism, run. If the movies are rated, you must not watch. I mean, look, I get it. There's a lot of bad out in the world, but there's a lot of good. There's a lot of things we can enjoy and celebrate. So I want to take you on a backstory of Halloween and hopefully give you some life skills on how you can embrace, really do, embrace and enjoy this Halloween. Or at the very least, if you don't want to embrace it, don't demonize those who do. Okay? So backstory. It begins with the seasons. There are four seasons. 
there is spring, summer, fall, winter. Okay. And we have to understand the seasons in a way that uh, our forefathers did, the ancients. Today, we know about things like chlorophyll and anthrocyanin, these, these uh, elements that help create the color in leaves, help, create, help maintain green or start to create the pigments in the fall, the lovely autumn colors. We know the science behind the change of seasons. We, we understand that when the leaves die in the fall, no, they're not going to resurrect in or re- reincarnate through new leaves in the spring. They're dead. They're, you know, they're for the dumpster fire or whatever you want to say. Well, the ancients didn't have that scientific understanding. They had to figure out what was going on in the nat- natural world without the wonder of scientific discovery. So every year, the ancients would see darkness increasing, light decreasing, and they would have to explain that. They would say, okay, wait, every season, it seems like every, every time the year comes around this time, the darkness gets stronger, the light gets weaker. What does that mean? And then they would see the leaves dying. And they would say, okay, look, uh, these beautiful leaves start to die, they fall, and then they go on the ground, and they decompose. And, and, and I don't even know if they knew what decompose mean. They just, they, maybe they just thought well, they'd disappear. You know, who knows? And then they would see the animals hibernating. And so all the life, if you will, of spring and summer would start to dissipate, and they had to explain it. Now, they also had people who they knew that died. As they washed the leaves, they would make an understanding of, wait a second, this is death. That's how my grandma, that's how my grandpa, my great-grandma died. They withered away and then they eventually died and we put them in the ground just like the leaves. And so they had to come up with this idea of, oh, that's what this season is about. This season is about death. This season is about what was once alive being put into the ground, just like the leaves and just like my forefathers, my my grandparents, and many cultures in the ancient world. In fact, almost every one of them came up with some form of celebration of the dead. And that's what that's what we've got now. We've got in the fall season, when everything starts to die, we've got this pause in our year to say, things that are alive will die. And just because they're dead, doesn't mean they're gone because guess what? The ancients would see the, the leaves come back. They would probably think, oh, the leaves are back again, but it was different leaves. We know that now, but they didn't know that. And so they would say, okay, so that might mean that my ancestors, who though they died, they're still around somewhere. So, hey, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate our ancestors who are dead. And that brings me to the ancient festival, the Celtic festival of Samhain. Now, I don't understand why we spell it S-A-M-H-A-I-N. That sounds like, or that looks like, phonetically, Sam Hain. <laughs> but for some reason, the English language loves to mess with us, and we're supposed to pronounce this as Samhain. It is an ancient Celtic festival, so Northern Ireland, uh, the northern you know areas of Europe, that's where the Celts lived, and they celebrated the agricultural festival, a time of stock-taking before winter, and as they brought in their crops, they would see that those crops would help them live, but at the same time, the plants, they would give 
give up some life as they helped us live. And so the fall, the autumn season, would become a time of supernatural intensity where the force of darkness and decay were said to be abroad, spilling out from the, the she. That's another word you got to pronounce differently than it's spelled. It looks like Sid, but it's actually pronounced she. And those were ancient mounds or barrows of the countryside. So they would see these, you know, these mounds and uh, they would kind of, in some places, there was reports of you know, fairies coming out of them. You know, these are these are myths. These are legends. And m- maybe they saw fireflies and they didn't know what fireflies were. So they just called them fairies or whatever you will. And, and that's what they decided to say, celebrate. And so it turned into a celebration on October 31st uh, that the portal between the realm of the living and the realm of the dead was opened, allowing lost souls to return to human-occupied earth. And so this was a huge festival, again, in the in the Celtic uh community, but there are roots of that festival that date to uh, pre-Christ- the pre-Christian era in ancient Rome. There are, there are uh, of course, the Mexicans have the Day of the Dead that goes way back, probably even before the Day of Christ. And so you, you have almost in every culture this day on which we are going to remember the dead. Now, how did we get to Halloween? How do we get to Halloween from Samhain? Because this is what happened. The church redeemed Samhain. See, the church expanded from Northern Africa. Many people don't understand how the church originally went from Jerusalem to Asia Minor down to Northern Africa in the 400s. And that's where you get St. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians in history from North Africa. He was probably African-American. African. He was probably African-American. He was probably African. Uh, and so he becomes the greatest champion of salvation by grace through faith in the 4th century, 5th century, literally saves Christianity. Then Christianity starts to br- spread across the northern parts of the Roman Empire, the Germanic people, and then all the way up to the Celts and then the Scandinavian countries. And so now to this day, Scandinavian countries are largely Lutheran because as Luther reformed the church in the 1500s, his, his influence went north to Norway, Sweden, Finland. And those countries still today adopt a national Protestant faith as their religion. But anyway, Christianity spreads up, this is early 500s, 600s, into the Celtic regions, and on May 13th, 609 AD, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome uh, in honor of all Christian martyrs, and the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established. Now, this is huge. Let me tell you why this is huge. Because the Pantheon used to be the place where they came to worship the Roman gods. And Christianity literally overtook the Roman Empire, the greatest, strongest, most military adv- militarily advanced empire in human history. Christianity overwhelms it, takes it over, and it becomes the established faith of the Roman government. And the Pantheon, like where people used to go and sacrifice their children to the Roman gods, now it's a place to honor the Christian martyrs who came before. I mean, it's a powerful moment, right? It's a powerful point in Christian history. Well, uh, years later, Pope Gregory III expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs and moved the observance from May 13th to November 1st. And that today, to this day is called All Saints Day. So dead martyrs, people who were killed for the faith, and just dead saints, people who died in the faith, were were uh, remembered, commemorated, if you will, in the Christian Catholic faith on November 1st. 
Now, just because they start to adapt or take uh, their Day of the Dead, if you will, to the Celtic Day of the Dead, doesn't mean they obliterated the festival. No, they adopted. They actually brought a lot of the elements of Samhain into the Christian uh, the Christian celebration of this day. So according to History.com, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day a day to honor the dead and all saints, known and unknown, in an attempt to replace the Celtic holiday with a church-sanctioned version of it was established. And they celebrated very similarly uh, to the festival of Samhain with bonfires and parades, dressing up in costumes. Sometimes they would even dress up as saints. And sometimes they would, believe it or not, this is the church. They would dress up as devils. Okay. The All Saints Day celebration was also called an All Hallows or All Hallowmas. Okay. Think about that. Christmas or Hallowmas. And the night before, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic religion began to be called All Hallows Eve. This is the church, and I want you to hear me, doing what the church does. The church takes darkness and infects it with light. The church takes ignorance and infects it with knowledge. The church takes hopelessness and infects it with hope. And that's what they've been doing. That's what the church has been doing for 2,000 years. And even before the Reformation, this was happening. So even you know, amongst the Catholic faith, because this was before the Reformation, they were doing this. They were saying, oh, you know, the Germanic people, you bring a tree inside your house and you celebrate Yule and you do this thing on the fire and, and, and you exchange gifts a little bit. Oh, we're going to do that. Now, only Instead of celebrating Yule, we're going to celebrate this guy named Jesus who was born uh, and, and brought life. In fact, his birth was the beginning of light da- dawning. So that's why the darkest, the darkest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere is what? December 24th. Or 22nd, 23rd, 24th, right? And then light starts to grow from that point on. They did that strategically to say, look, Jesus is the one who, the moment he came, light started to expand in the world. Don't you see what the church has done? It it has adopted, it has redeemed, if you will, the pagan holidays of the past and created Christian versions out of them. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, yeah, it still doesn't convince me. Okay, look, the name Halloween is a two-part word. It comes from the first part, hallow means saintly, and eve, which means eve, the night before. The night before All Saints Day. So literally, Halloween, November, October 31st, is the night before we remember those who died in Christ. Hello, it's Christian. <laughs> it's Christian. Now you say, well, I, you know, Halloween today is full of so much paganism and so much evil. That's because of America. That's not because of demons. (laughs) That's because of Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. That's not because of the church. That's because there's always spillover of um, human sin into every facet of life. For instance, New Year's Eve or uh, no, no. For instance, Christmas should be just gift giving and, and going to church and celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ and his birth. But what do some people do on Christmas? What do they do? They don't talk to their relatives. Uh, they get terribly drunk. Uh, they go to the office Christmas party and they end up making out with somebody that they are going to someday regret, right? <laughs> just because there are remnants of pagan revelry in a holiday doesn't make the holiday off limits for everybody. Can we stop doing that? Can we stop having this litmus test of unless it's perfect, we can't celebrate it. 
Well, then you're not going to you're not going to celebrate everything. You're not going to celebrate anything. You should go back to the Israelite feast and only celebrate those. I mean, really. F let's get right down to business. Like the word holiday <laughs> actually is a Christian term. Holy day. Sanctified day. A day we're going to set apart. That's what sanctification means. Sanctified. Set apart to stop and do something different and unique. So let's take a look at what we got today as as Halloween. It's really the Americanized version of Halloween. And, and I want to run this down. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants, especially millions from uh, Ireland. And they were fleeing the potato famine. And they helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween. Why? Because the Irish, Irish were very highly influenced by the Celts. And so if you want to blame anybody for Halloween today, if you don't like it, or if you want to thank anybody for Halloween today, if you like it, thank the Irish because they brought the popularization of Halloween to America. Now, although uh, it is unknown precisely where the phrase trick-or-treat began, believe it or not, the custom of trick-or-treat was firmly established in American pop culture in 1951 <laughs> because it was depicted in the Peanuts comic strip. I kid you not. I had my research assistant try to find where does trick-or-treat come from? And I know there's a lot of other things in the ancient world where they would they would do trick-or-treat, but but in American culture, they they established it for children to go door to door and knock on houses and ask for candy because of a peanuts comic strip. I thought that was interesting to find that out. And then when the custom of trick-or-treat started in the 1930s and 1940s, uh, children were given every, everything from homemade cookies and pieces of cake to fruit, nuts, coins, toys. In the 1950s, candy manufacturers began to get in on the act and promote their products for Halloween. And as trick-or-treating became more popular, candy was increasingly regarded as an affordable, convenient offering. Uh, and then it wasn't until the 1970s, though, that wrapped factory-made candy, such as I have right here on the deep end desk, was viewed as the only acceptable thing to hand out, and I'm going to I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get to why uh, <laughs> the how the wrapped factory made candy uh, was viewed as the only acceptable thing to hand out. By the way, in one of my cauldrons here, I have a whole bunch of almond joy, the best Halloween candy. If you want to make me a little happy, almond joy, almonds healthy, joy godly. Amen. So anyway. That's how we get Halloween as we know it right now. Now, I'm, now uh, uh, Halloween has always been this arguing thing, this, this debate topic, right? Don't, don't celebrate it. Well, you know what? The Christians used to do it. Now it's the pagan secularists who are doing it. It's funny how now Halloween is under attack in a different way. Uh, a couple of years ago, Megyn Kelly lost her job at NBC because she mentioned the term blackface on the air. And people literally flipped out and said, how dare she? She is so out of touch. How dare she mention blackface? And so they, quote unquote, canceled her. Uh, and she lost her job through other means. She was forced to resign. And uh, that was the end of her primetime hour or whatever, important time slot at NBC. And she's been banished forever from cultural acceptability in many respects because she talked about this Halloween costume called blackface. Even though, ladies and gentlemen, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau once wore blackface for a Halloween party in college, and we have the picture right here for you on the screen. Of course, they don't cancel Justin Trudeau because he's, a he's, he's an untouchable 
Uh, untouchable amongst the woke mob. Why? Because he fights for the right of women to kill their unborn children. And so as long as you fight for the right of women to kill their unborn children, you get a pass. Even if you wore blackface. Like, think about it. Kelly, Kelly, uh, Megan Kelly talked about blackface. <laughs> Trustin Trudeau wore blackface and he's vilified. And of course, let us not forget that Robert Downey Jr. wore blackface for a Hollywood movie that was made pretty recently, Tropic Thunder, and he was nominated for an Academy Award for it. But he also gets a pass because he checks all the other woke boxes and the pro-abortion boxes and uh, they don't care about that. <laughs> it's kind of funny, the lunacy of the progressives in our country. Uh, then I found this. If you're on a college campus, watch out. Be careful. This was found on a college campus by Libs of TikTok, and, uh, an account you want to follow. Uh, the, the poster says, are you engaging in cultural appropriation? If your costume is racist, sexist, or otherwise harmful, like, watch out. And then it has all these questions to run down. Are you representing, you know, Native American people or a celebrity or a historical figure? You know, yes or no is good or is not. You know, number three, my costume holds a race, religion, gender, or disability or other than my own. Like, really? You can't dress as a religion. So I'm a Christian. I can't dress as a Muslim, I guess. Not that I would want to, but I guess I, it's off limits according to the woke sculpt. We cannot uh, break the laws of Halloween. And as with everything, wokeism takes what is fun and turns it into unfun, just like legalistic Christians. It's kind of funny. Like wokeism is literally a religion because it's legalistic about fun things. If you're having fun, stop doing it. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Back to why our world loves Halloween. Why is it not going away? And I don't care what anybody says. Halloween ain't going away. Christians ain't getting rid of it. You know, those legalistic Christians and woke schools aren't getting rid of it because there's one single solitary reason why America, why the world loves Halloween. Here it is. Cha-ching dollars. In fact, lots of dollars, lots of dollars in the Halloween business. Okay. Halloween's all about money, guys. I have, I got, I got to break it to you. I just spent $40 on this candy. Okay. So it is about the money. One quarter of all, of all candy sold annually in the United States is purchased on Halloween. If you're in the candy business, this Halloween, this can't, this, this holiday ain't going anywhere. And by the way, candy is easy to make, manufacture, sell, carry. It's smaller than your phone and the profit margins are huge. So it's no wonder we are encouraged to celebrate Halloween all over the place because America's number one God is not the devil. It's money. Free market business, baby, right? 30, 36% of Americans will spend more on Halloween this year than last year. In the midst of our struggling economy, in the midst of inflation, well, probably we're going to spend more because of inflation. Thanks, Joe Biden. But anyway, we're going to spend more this year than last year. Americans are projected to spend $10.14 billion this year, record high, $8.5 billion spent in 2020. Costumes. Now that's just candy. Now let's talk about costumes. Account for the most spending, 3.32 billion in total, followed by decorations, 3.17 billion, candy, 3 billion, and greeting cards, 660 billion dollars. What the heck? Holy smoke! I did not know this. And then Americans spend uh, 490 million dollars on uh, costumes for their pets in 2019. More than double what they spent in. 2010. So Americans give 
How much? To their pets? Almost a half a billion dollars to their pets <laughs> for Halloween. Uh, here's, here's my final thoughts. Here's my pastoral concern concerning Halloween. All right? It's about the money. And here's my thoughts. Here's my question. Are you ready? Are you going to spend more on Halloween this week than you give to your local church to spread the gospel? Ouch. Pinch. Mm, that's good preaching. <laughs> Will you be more invested in your child taking part in a getting free candy enterprise than you do in teaching them the elements of the Christian faith? Because that is a problem. Now, if you're all in a Halloween and yet you don't make efforts to invest in your child's faith, that's a problem. That's my pastoral deep end concern for you. Because you're not commanded to give your kids fun. You're commanded to give your kids the gospel. I'm all for fun. As you can tell at my studio, keep looking, oh, sorry, uh, studio today, keep looking all over the place here for the decorations. But our primary objective as God's people is to give our kids the instruction of the Lord. So celebrate Halloween, but celebrate Jesus. And here's what it says in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 6. These instructions I command you today, you teach them to your children diligently. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You got to tell your kids about what Jesus has done for you. Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. So my final question, the final, the final resolve is should you celebrate Halloween? Well, Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 from the New King James Version says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Perhaps, perhaps what you could consider is what Paul talks about in regards to another debatable topic in the Bible, though it is not a debatable topic anymore for us in the 21st century. In the first century, it was food sacrificed to idols. And you can go to uh, 1 Corinthians 8 for this, and he talks about it because the church was divided. The Jewish Christians had no problem eating food sacrificed to idols because they knew as Jews that what represented the idol was really not God. So, oh, you sacrificed this lamb to Molech? <laughs> Molech's dead. I don't care. I'll eat that lamb. Cheap meat. But the Gentiles who came out of sacrificing to Molech had a serious problem with Molech. And they had a serious problem with that meat. It was a matter of conscience. They couldn't eat it. They just It was their old life. And so they said, look, I can't eat that. It just, it reminds me too much of where I came from. Who, it reminds me too much of where God brought me from, right? And so they couldn't do it. So here's what Paul says. He says, listen, if your freedom, Jewish Christians, is going to undermine the conscience of your Gentile brothers and sisters who came out of paganism, then would you for their sake just not eat around them? And I think that that's a great principle for us today. If what you do causes your brother to grow anxious and really struggle, then maybe when you're around them, abstain. Another corollary in 
modern world is if you know your brother got saved from alcoholism, well, don't stinking drink beer in front of them. Like, if you know that's their struggle from their old life, don't do what that was, right? It doesn't say you shouldn't drink beer in the Bible. It doesn't say that. We can't make a law about it. That's illegalism, but we've got to have a heart for people. And here's the big deal. Are you ready? I'm going to bring it all back home. I'm going to bring it all home. Here we go. It's about unity. Hey, it's about the church becoming one. And so maybe, I, I, I'm sure there's no American Christian that once celebrated Samhain, right? <laughs> That's been dead for years, for centuries. But there may be a few Christians for whom Halloween represented their old life far too well wherein they may have taken part in spiritual dark forces. Maybe they were saved from Satanism or the occult or, uh, you know, other witchcraft practices. And if that's the case, don't don't act like a jerk and put them down over their convictions. I'm going to have to ask Slim to just step aside here. (laughs) Now I feel guilt. Perhaps share this video with someone that needs to know the true history of how the church, not America, redeemed this pagan holiday and intended it for us to enjoy so that we would have something to celebrate as the nights got longer and the days got shorter. Because if anything, coming out of COVID, we need to celebrate as much as we possibly can. It's been dark 20 months, guys. Let's have some fun. Let's eat some candy. And finally... That brings me to tomorrow night. The deep dive is back. And I can't wait to get to this content. Romans chapter 4. We're going to talk about justification by faith. Our father Abraham and all that kind of stuff. Hey, Tim Hatch Live is on Rumble. TimHatchLive.com slash Rumble. Support the channel. I'm asking you kindly for your support. Hashtag Tim Hatch Live or TimHatchLive.com slash support. You can also buy a book or the Tumblr, which I don't have on my desk because there's no room. Uh, and... Again, like and subscribe at youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. The social media channels are all over there. I mean, I've talked about this ad nauseum. Follow me, like the content. The Deep End is brought to you by those of you who believe in this content, who are appreciative of this content, and join me every week. And thank you for being here, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night on The Deep Dive. <laughs>